With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. And we are back, Crossover. NBA podcast, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. Where in the world are you this week, Howard Beck? <laughs> um, is this a Carmen Sandiego reference? I mean, I can tell you. I mean, I was at the Orlando Magic back-to-back wins over the Celtics over the weekend. That's something we can talk about. Not as cool, I, but... I, 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 don't, I don't think anybody wants to talk about that. Not even Magic fans. I, do the, Are there Magic fans, by the way? I don't know. Oh, I, I don't don't, think I've you're ever... going to get the Eddie House treatment if you start criticizing Magic fans. I've and, never heard from know. a Magic fan in uh, 573 years. Ah, uh, come on. League. Kevin Clark from The Ringer. Shout out to man, Kevin. Kevin Clark is the only one. Kevin Clark, who I ran into at a Gaslight Anthem show two months ago. Um... Uh, yeah, no, I'm in New York. I'm in New York where the Warriors, minus Steph Curry, sadly, uh, will be playing back-to-back nights at the Garden and Barclays Center here in Brooklyn. Uh, I was very much looking forward to and, in fact, uh, made sure my schedule allowed for me to be here. I thought about bouncing out to the G League Showcase in Vegas, but among the, the top reasons that I did not was to make sure I was in New York when the Warriors came through for two games, and now here we are. 
That's the um, uh, artist formerly known as the Warriors. That's brutal for the NBA's Christmas schedule, too. We were hoping to get John sure. Morant versus Steph Curry on uh, Christmas Day, but uh, carry out for a little while now. A lot of injuries in the end. We're going to get into some of them as well. Uh, talk, Do a little contender pretender here on this episode of the podcast, Beck, where we talk about the Lakers as we always do. We'll talk about the Nets, the Knicks, your New York Knicks playing good basketball right now. We'll hit on them. Uh, but first... You have a interesting daily cover this week that I encourage people to check out over on SI.com where you make the case that the Lakers are effectively squandering, you know, the last prime years or I mean, I guess the last prime years, but prime years of LeBron James. Uh, as I said, I encourage people to read it, but summarize it here for me. What was your your reasoning for writing that story? Yeah, I mean, listen, this is something that's been kicking around in my own head since really even before the season began on the suspicion that the Lakers were not going to be good enough again. By the way, more than suspicion. The whole league thought the Lakers, after winning 33 games last season and doing almost nothing to fix the roster. Everybody everybody but the Bus family and Rob Palenka thought they were going to be abysmal. Correct. Um, They thought that just switching coaches from Frank Vogel to Darvin Ham would fix everything. I don't understand that logic, but that's where they were. It's all Frank Vogel's fault. When when the season began and they got out to that 2-8 start, I started to think, man, if you look at what LeBron's done statistically, like last season, I made the case on this podcast, last season, before he went down, when he was healthy, he was playing at an MVP level. At minimum, I know some people are triggered by me using MVP on Twitter today. At minimum, all NBA level, he was playing at when healthy. And granted, listen, you can't, Really be all NBA unless you play, you know, more than whatever, 65, 66 games. I think he played less than that. The idea, though, is that he is still incredibly productive for a player his age. And I thought coming into this season, if the Lakers, if the season plays out for them the same this year as it did last year, we would get LeBron still playing at an all NBA caliber level, a level that is good enough to carry a team, maybe not to a championship, but a viable playoff team, maybe even a team that can win a couple of series. But they were going to squander it if they didn't have the right surrounding cast. They didn't do anything in the offseason to fix the, the roster. They still have not as of today in late December, mid to late December. And so I've been. this had been kicking around for a while. I actually held off. I started reporting on this earlier in November. But then when LeBron went out, I thought, you know, it's not fair to thump them while he's out. I'm going to wait till he comes back and plays some and we'll see where they are. Now, they've gotten it a little bit more together recently. And I think if people want to push back on the basis of the Lakers have won X of their last X and all that, fine. But a lot of that is beating up on the Spurs three times, the Pistons a couple of times, Washington on Sunday. They have been fattening up on bad teams. I don't think anybody looks at all that and says, okay, this team is ready to take on the Suns and Nuggets and Grizzlies and Pelicans. Like, it's just not there. So this is something that had been, you know, like I say, percolating for a while in my own head and... I had this ready to go basically before Anthony Davis went down and then Anthony Davis went down and you could look at that two ways. It's even that much more relevant now, or maybe it's irrelevant because any fix to the roster could be offset by Anthony Davis being out for a while. But I, I just want to put a, put a point on this one. And I cite these stats in the story. LeBron James at age nearly 38, turn 38 next week, is having the best season for a 38-year-old in NBA history. He had the best season for a 37-year-old in NBA history, and I think it was 36, 34, and 32 also. So if you consider late prime, post-prime, whatever, after age 32, that's the statistical uh, framework that I looked at. 
and if you go all the way back to, I think I started with the 78, 79 season, um, first year of the three point shot and went forward from there. LeBron James is in, as usual, elite territory for being this productive, this late in a career. And if you take all of the cases of all the other guys who were post prime and had really great seasons, still all stars in a lot of cases, still all NBA, um, putting up certain advanced stats that I used as a framework. It's very, very rare for a guy playing at that level to just have his efforts entirely squandered. I'm not talking about Kevin Garnett in Minnesota during his prime. I'm talking about late prime where you've still got something. Dirk Nowitzki in the early 2010s. And your team just isn't good enough. And I talked to Dirk for this story because they won the championship and then immediately fell off the cliff. And there's just nobody else who can really relate to this other than Dirk. So that's why I reached out. But like LeBron James is still playing at a level that... If he had the right supporting cast, if you put him on almost any other roster in in the top four of either conference, top five, six of either conference, take out their star, put LeBron in and give him a better supporting cast, we're talking about them as title contenders or at minimum conference contenders. And that's not the case because their roster is just that shoddy. That's the bottom line. And I'll, I'll be curious to see where they go from here. Yeah, I thought Dirk's voice was interesting in the story. Um, Dirk, by his own admission, of course, was a shell of his former self at the very end of, at the of very his end. career. Yeah. Very end. Last two or three years, he was not the the guy. It was like the transition from the Luka era to the Dirk era sure. uh, at the very end of that time. But I would say this too. Like, after reading it, um, and again, I encourage everybody to go over to SI.com and check it out. You know, I put something on LeBron too. I mean, LeBron signed the extension. He didn't have to. LeBron yep. could have put a lot of pressure on the Lakers this year by not signing that extension. To this day, Howard, I, I don't know why he did it. Like, if I don't you, know. Yeah, on, on that one real quick, and then, and then you go ahead and, and yeah. push back on the rest of it all, you know, for, for whatever whatever there is, because there's definitely another perspective here. Um, and LeBron does shoulder some responsibility. But on the extension part specifically, if you talk to people around the league and talk to people with some insight on this, they will tell you he was given assurances. If I sign the extension... You're going to make the moves to make sure we're viable, right? That's, that is the understanding I have of the understanding that he had. Um, right. So that part, yeah. I mean, then there's the Westbrook part, right? Everybody wants to bring up, well, he advocated for Westbrook. You and I have had this discussion on this pod before, Chris, and you know my position on this, which is consistent, which is, sure, he and Anthony Davis pushed for this. Um, that does not absolve Rob Polenka and the rest of his front office or ownership of the decision. If you think it's a bad decision, you say, listen, LeBron, for your own good, for the franchise's good, everything else, we're not going to do this. You got to trust me. We think this Buddy Heel deal that we've already agreed to terms on, by the way, um, was the better deal than trading for Westbrook. This would obviously be two summers ago. Right. They could have stood, if you have conviction and, and you've, as, as a leader, you stick to your guns and you say, no, this is what we're doing. I'm sorry, LeBron, we're not going that route. I understand there are pressures there. I understand that LeBron's a unique quantity to deal with on personnel issues, but it's still on the franchise for deciding to go down that road, no matter how much LeBron, excuse me, would have pushed for it. I've heard the same things about LeBron getting assurances from the Lakers front office and from Lakers ownership that they would do whatever it takes to build a winner. I still just like, it doesn't really like a assurances. LeBron's been around long enough to know what assurances mean. You can't cash assurances (laughs) in a bank account. And Like, people have pointed to, like, the 50-plus million is guaranteed next year. Like, okay, A, he'd get that anywhere. B, yes. you think LeBron really needs it at this point? Yeah. Um, I, I, look, he's always, always, always 
exercised maximum leverage with his teams, whether it was a shorter-term contract with Miami, all the one-year deals he signed with Cleveland. Like, it just... It was bizarre to see him commit to a team that had missed the playoffs like the year before. Like, what are we doing? And didn't have... Didn't make a substantial move when he signed that deal in August. So I, I don't, outside of Darvin Ham, like I, I just don't, I, I don't get it. But that's a, we could do a whole podcast on that. Check out <laughs> Howard's story uh, over at SI.com. Um, Howard, as I mentioned, on this episode, we're going to play a little contender pretender. And it's not going to be as simple as contender for a championship, pretender for a championship. I'm going to give you specific um, guidelines for what these teams are are contenders or pretenders for. So I want you to answer um, each one individually. And I want to start with your New York Knicks, who, as we record this, have won six games in a row. They're playing some pretty good defense. Jalen Brunson looks like he's worth every nickel of the contract that they gave him. Um, The Knicks right now, I think, are kind of, they're playoff contenders, no doubt about that. Are they win a series contenders advance to the second round contenders or pretenders uh real quick because i think you are shorting our new york knicks a win that they've won seven in a row seven as sorry we, i was i got the magic on my brain from the as, six game uh, winning streak there yeah as we record this seven in a row um and i think people have pointed out so they've won seven straight and the knicks have won six straight and it's the longest simultaneous streaks by the two New York area teams since like the Taft administration or something. Um, So that's something. Um, Are the Knicks contenders to win a playoff series is your question. Um, No, I don't think they are. Uh, With all respect to the way they've pulled themselves together and this streak and the defense they're playing and the grit they're showing. And yes, I agree. Um, Brunson has been worth every dime they spent to get him. And the effects are, are kind of what, you would have hoped for when you finally get a competent point guard um, with a team that badly needed somebody to, to, to lead their offense. Here's where the skepticism comes in. And it's not even as much about the Knicks as it is about their surroundings. So real quick reference points here. Um, offense, they're 14th in offensive efficiency, ninth in defensive efficiency, net rating of 10th. That suggests that they're pretty good. Um, t- 10th best net rating in the league suggests that they should be able to win a playoff series perhaps. However, I look at the East and I see five teams that are absolutely definitely better than them, barring any crazy things happening, trades, injuries, whatever. Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland, Brooklyn, shockingly, I'm surprised. I'm I'm surprised I have to put them back in this sentence. I had them in the sentence early in the season. I took them out of this. I now have to put them back in the lock for the top five in the East. The Nets are there. The Sixers are are there as well, I think, when they're healthy um, and I think are there right now. So that's five teams that are definitely better than the Knicks in the standings, and they're definitely better than the Knicks when it comes to a head-to-head matchup in the playoffs. And then if you're looking at the standings now and you're thinking about who you think should be sixth by the end of the season, Miami and Atlanta both have better talent than the Knicks. I mean, if you're drafting a team, you're taking Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo both before you're taking any Nick, and you're taking Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and maybe even, you know, uh, well... We'll leave everybody else out of it. At least Trey Young and DeJounte Murray before you're getting to anybody on the Knicks. Those teams have better talent. Now, better talent is not always better team. Chemistry matters. Fit matters. All kinds of stuff. And I'm not sure about the the Hawks fit. They got some weird stuff going on there. Um, But Miami and Atlanta should be better than the Knicks. They may not be at at, at the end of it. But the bottom line is that if the Knicks are not top four and they're not, then you're bottom four. And when you're bottom four, you got to beat one of the top four. And I just don't see them taking four out of seven 
from the Bucks, Celtics, Cavaliers, Nets, or Sixers. Do you? No, I don't. And I'm going to call them pretenders as well for at least a series win. Um, you know, you, you play the teams that are in front of you. The Knicks have benefited during this recent stretch, which goes beyond these seven games, of playing teams that were minus a star, whether it was the Sixers with Joel Embiid. I was at the Sacramento game where they played the Kings without De'Aaron Fox. Uh, they benefited from that. Not their fault. You know, you play who's put in front of you. But yep. I think that's propelled them a little bit uh, during the stretch. Um, I'm encouraged by, well, what Brunson brings for starters. He's great. Uh, Julius Randle, a little bit of a bounce back year. Still not like all NBA level like he was a few couple of seasons ago. But he's up to like low to mid-30s from three-point range. His field goal percentage is up. Uh, he's above 20 points per game again. So I think he's more of an asset. I, I just... I don't think they're great defensively or going to be great defensively. And if you're not, you better be damn good offensively. And I don't think they're that good offensively either. And when you consider who they're going to have to face in the first round, the teams you mentioned, Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland, Philadelphia, whoever it is at the top of uh, of the conference standings, I just don't see them uh, coming away with a win. I, you know, Maybe the best case scenario is Tom Thibodeau saves his job in New York. Maybe. I mean... Possible, I guess, uh, but I don't think they're they're a threat to win uh, a first round series. At least not the group as they're currently constructed. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, block 
by James LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. All right. The Raptors. One of the more disappointing teams in the NBA this Highly. season. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah maybe I'm, I'm soft peddling it. Uh, we, I think we all went to the season thinking the Raptors, even for what they lacked in size, they had a lot of versatility. You know, Fred Van Vliet's still there. Siakam's still there. Another year of Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi. And they're below 500 right in that play-in mix right now. So you know, there are some teams beneath them, specifically Orlando, that you know, is, is starting to make some noise in the conference. Are the Raptors right now a playoff contender? I'm going to say yes. I'm still going glass half full on the Raptors. They were too good last season with essentially the same cast to think that they could fall this far this fast. It's not like they're some old team where everybody got brittle or everybody lost a step simultaneously. It's not that. I don't think it's a chemistry issue, but sometimes those things elude us until they be until they, you know things really bottom out and it breaks into the open. They've been really bad. They've been really beat up too, uh, just health wise. You know, they've almost every significant player on this roster has gone through something, and at the moment we still have you know they're missing OG Ananobi at the moment. Otto Porter Jr. hasn't played. Trent uh, Gary Trent Jr. is out. Achua's been out. Siakam's been fantastic. Van Vliet's been kind of all over the map. They're 28th in three-pointers made and 28th in three-point accuracy. In that, those are those are bad numbers. I had those jotted the, down too. Those are not, yeah, not good. That's a problem. Um, so real quick, last year they were ninth in defensive efficiency. So a very good defensive team, obviously using all that versatility, all that interchangeability, all that length to great effect. They've dropped from ninth in defense last season to 17th this season. So that's a big part of this too. Um, they are thirteenth um, offensively. They were fifteenth last year, so in the same general range. Uh, but you know they they're sixteenth in that rating. Like their 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 charting is average to slightly below. Um, I, there's still too much talent, and you know, look, Scotty Barnes has had some growing pains. That happens uh, to guys in their sophomore season in the NBA. That's fine. Kids still got a ton of talent. Um, a natural ability. Like I just, I still believe in this team. So are, are they a contender to be a playoff team? Yes. With some caveats and granted things have gotten pretty competitive in, in that range of the East. But um, here's my final caveat, by the way, my, my biggest caveat on the Raptors is yes, they're a playoff team um, based on their talent alone, unless Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster decide to completely pivot. Like, That's do they think, yeah. Like yeah, if they that, decide that, that, that this is not, just not going the right direction and we're going to package some of our talent to do something else and do a kind of semi pseudo tank midstream, then, then you pull them off the board. Yeah. Uh, they're a playoff contender because of health. 
right? Like if they get all their guys back, I think they're good enough to to be a playoff contender. Simple as For that. Sure. I, I do. Uh, that was what I was going to bring up. The idea they could be nuked. Because if there's one thing we know about Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster has been there in lockstep with him on every decision, every step of the way, um, it's that they're not going to just be okay with being mediocre. It's kind of, it's the approach I saw a lot in Boston with Danny Ainge. He's doing the same thing sort of right now in Utah, where if you're not in position to compete for a championship, well, what are you doing? Like, what's the point of kind of existing in basketball purgatory, you know, fighting for a playoff spot, especially when you've got guys that aren't old, but, you know, you, you look at Siakam now in his late 20s, Fred Van Vliet inching in that territory. Um, this is a team I could see broken up at some point if if things continue to trend downward and they don't, you know, pick up some momentum when they get all their guys back in the lineup. This is a team I can see being nuked um, by that front office. I I think healthy with Nick Nurse, everything they got going on there, I think they'll find a way into the playoff mix. I, I, that number of three-point shooting does concern me. Like in today's league where it just bombs away, the Raptors are not that type of team. And that's that that's surprising. Like that, that, that's not a winning formula usually in today's NBA. But I think fully healthy, yes, a contender. But I do wonder... We're going to be checking back in with them in like mid to late January when we're getting close to that trade deadline. If they haven't picked up some momentum, I can see that front office uh, deciding to blow them ultimately up. Yeah, real quick on that. Like, I don't think it would be a complete detonation. This isn't a teardown. This isn't a... a, But Siakam could go. I think Siakam could go. Siakam could perhaps go. I mean, he he and Van Vliet are the oldest of the core group, not counting Boucher, obviously. And they've talked um, about Siakam group, too over the, the years. Like, so Siakam has been quietly yeah. like, "Do you want to make him make us an offer?" You know, the kind of thing that's been it's been out there. Siakam would be a phenomenal number two or three guy on a on a really good team. Um, and I'm sure you you could get a boatload for him. The guy's still in his prime. What is he? 28. Um, and Van Vliet's 28. You know, but Siakam is obviously their biggest prize if they were going to do that or you know, do they spin off a of Gary Trent Jr. and a couple other of of the, you know, um, you know, high level role players, but not 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 the all star types? Um, there are there are minor things they could do just to take like a slight step back to move forward later if they think that this isn't enough. And the fact is, listen, they've done a phenomenal job. The Raptors uh, ever since Kawhi left in kind of reconstituting and making some really smart picks and doing a great job with player development as they've always done, but. It's a collection of a lot of really good guys and one all NBA caliber guy in Siakam on any given year and then whatever Scotty Barnes becomes, but he's not he's not there yet. So, you know, I always look like, do you have one guy who you are undisputably, indisputably um, building around? And they don't really have that guy. I, I, like Siakam's great, but he's not that guy. Um, so that's the thing. And, and until you get that guy, everything is always on the table um, because you're trying to get that guy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. Over the weekend, Howard, I was uh, watching the Orlando Magic, as I mentioned. Um, quite impressed. I mean, the Celtics, yeah, they were coming off a long road trip and they uh, the shooting numbers have come down, but it's the Celtics and it's Orlando in Boston taking two games. Paolo Banquero playing well. Bull Bull, at least in the second game, playing pretty well. Uh, diverse offense. They've got, I think, six guys in their rotation right now averaging double figures in scoring. It's been a while since we've talked about the Magic as a playoff contender. Are they a playoff contender this year? 
Whoo boy. This is a spice. <laughs> this is a spicy one. Um, because like they've beaten some good teams recently. They've 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 been really competitive. They've been really interesting. They are at a minimum for the first time in a thousand years. They're fun. They're competitive. Like I can't remember the last time it was actually worth. I can't remember the last time somebody gave the sentence that you just opened with, which is, you know, I watched a couple of Magic games over the weekend. Even Kevin they're, Clark they're, may how, not how, have they're, been doing that. They're under 500 now, but they're already more entertaining than those like Steve Clifford teams from uh, 19 and 18. Like that was like Vucevic that was leading yeah. that team. And they're already like, more entertaining yeah. than than like probably a third of the league. Hmm. Um, they've got some interesting guys. Uh, the Bowl Bowl experience is something. Um, all that said, as we speak. They are 11 and 20. That's so let's not get too carried away. They're 26th in offensive efficiency, 24th in defensive efficiency for a net rating of 26th. I'm sure if I reran those numbers for the last couple of weeks, it might be a little bit better than that, but I don't like playing with the small sample size trends too much. Um, so no, they're, they're pretenders for the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs. They're still very young. Their backcourt is still very weak. Um, and there's just too many better teams ahead of them, right? Like, again, let's look at that pecking order in the East. Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Philly, that's your top five. Miami and Atlanta and New York, there's six, seven, eight. Not in that order necessarily. Indiana's surprisingly good. We just talked about the Raptors. They're still in, in contention. The Bulls, you know, they, they may fall out of it entirely They on their own accord. They may blow it up. Who knows? Washington is plummeting, but still like there's these, all these teams that are ahead of the magic that are, that are like, they're not going to beat all of them. So the idea that they make the play in and then battle their way to the seventh or eighth seed just feels really unlikely to me. It's too soon. I agree. Uh, I'm going to call them pretenders as well. It's been fun to watch these last couple of weeks. And I, I mean, it did get a kick out of them just going after Eddie House on the Celtics broadcast for Eddie calling him garbage or trash or whatever he did. They all posted the same meme of that one of Rafer Alston slapping Eddie uh, during Eddie's Celtic years. I mean, it was kind of good fun. Eddie, wow. I think Eddie, Eddie got fired up about that. Uh, just take it in stride, you know, whatever. Um, they're good. And this is as as reason to be optimistic about the magic as you've been in a long time, more so even than what they were during their last two playoff seasons because Bancaro is legit. Like he is a tentpole player, a build your franchise around player. I mean, he not only does he have the game and the size, like he doesn't look like a rookie. looks like he's been in the league for like five years. Um, he, he's got the will. Like he wants the ball in key situations. That's what I look for often in rookies. Do they get nervous or do they demand the ball? And against a team like Boston over a couple of games, Bancaro was demanding the ball. And I admired that. I like that a lot about him. They have some interesting pieces. I don't know what Bull Bull is on a winning team. Like, can he be like a double-double type of guy on a team that's uh, right in the playoff mix? I don't know. Or he's just putting up numbers on this team. That that kind of remains to be seen. Talking to Jamal Mosley over the weekend, though, you know, like getting their, their guards healthy has been key for them. Fultz being back in the mix has been key for them. They're able to have a solid rotation there and they will when Gary Harris comes all the way back, but they're just, they're just not there yet. They're just missing like one or two or even not even pieces, but like me missing a couple of years of development before you can call them a, a legitimate contender. I mean, you're right about the teams ahead of them. That's a big reason. Like if I'm betting on, you know, one team to get the edge, whether it's Orlando or, Toronto in the final playoff play-in mix. I'm going to bet on Toronto at this point. I just am. 
Um, and the and the Magic, I think they're bottom third in the NBA in defense defensive efficiency. Like that's that's not a great sign either. Uh, so yeah, pretender as far as being a playoff team this year. But next year, if they can get some good organic growth, get one more draft pick, maybe you can get a free agent to sign there, which hasn't really happened sure. in in a while. That that's certainly a team to watch uh, moving forward. I'm just happy for Kevin Clark. <laughs> the only stuff. Magic fan I know. Oh, Actually, no, that's, that's not that's not true. I have a former coworker uh, at a previous place who was also a Magic fan, so I'm happy for those two people. Burying the Knicks, burying the Magic. You just want every fan base mad. <laughs> you should do a column on why why fan bases hate me. That's what you, you're calling. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to do uh, no, thir- thirty items why I hate your team. E- each exactly. one, I'll have at least one reason why your team blows, and I'm going to make fun of them. You just borrow from Drew McGarry there with uh, the why your team sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I like that. That's a that's a great series. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Last one for you. I want to talk about the Nets, your backyard. Uh, Brooklyn's been white hot as of late. I think they've won, what, 10 of their last 11 as we record this, six games in a row. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are putting up big numbers. They have had a cushy schedule. That needs to be made clear. Uh, Really, the only contender they played in these last 11 games was Boston. They got beat by double digits. So that needs to be noted in the context of this conversation. But we know the Nets are a playoff team. They're probably a team that's going to advance uh, past the first round. Are the Nets right now a championship contender? Because that's really the only question that matters when it comes to Brooklyn. No, listen, the entire point of the exercise, you don't sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in tandem and then sign James or trade for James Harden and then flip James Harden at gunpoint for Ben Simmons. You don't go to all this trouble to have three max guys or even the original two except to be a title contender. It is the only thing that matters in Brooklyn are they title contenders? No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm still putting them in pretender land. Um, here's, here's a series of numbers. Uh, this is not the uh, code from the, uh, the computer in, in Lost, one of my favorite shows. But uh, let's see if you know what these numbers are, Chris. One, two, four, seven, eight. Efficiency. That is the defensive efficiency or the defensive ranking of the five Eastern Conference teams that are higher than the Nets in defensive efficiency. You've Mm got to be good to elite defensively in this league to be a contender. The Nets as of now are 16th in defensive rating. Those numbers I read off. Number one, Cleveland's got the top defensive rating in the NBA right now. Milwaukee is two. Philly's four. And this isn't just like the East, by the way. This is the whole NBA. Uh, Miami seventh. Your Boston Celtics eighth. And are probably better than that, and 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 will be. Robert so Williams. The, yeah, yeah. So the Nets are behind all those teams in defensive efficiency. Do the Nets have more firepower than a couple of those teams? Sure. Durant and, I, and Kyrie Irving at their best are are better than anything Miami puts out there. Um, at their best, they're they're better than the than the Cavaliers one two punch. But like, I just don't trust the construction of the Nets overall. I don't trust their chemistry overall. Um. Kyrie Irving has, listen, he's done everything he needs to do basketball-wise and not being a distraction-wise for the last three, four weeks, whatever it's been since the whole uh, posting anti-Semitic films on social media thing faded. So he's been on his best behavior as far as we've been able to see. He's been great on the court. Um, Everything's just been about basketball for the Nets. I mean, those are all good signs. Ben Simmons has often looked like 76 or Ben Simmons, great sign. But defensively, size-wise, they just there's some some vulnerabilities there. And on top of that all, and I, I hate to say this, I hate to say it, and I will qualify it this way every time I bring it up, but I have to bring it up. Kevin Durant's probably going to miss some time sometime between now and the spring because of his age, his, his mileage, and the Achilles uh, recovery. Um, he hasn't had played a full season since he came back. Kyrie always gets hurt. We haven't seen a long, you know, out, you know, or, uh, you know, period from him, you know, out due to health yet either. 
but it's going to happen probably. Um, and they just don't have a lot of room for error. So, no, I don't see them as a contender. I, I think ultimately when they come up against Milwaukee, Boston, maybe even Cleveland, I, they're just going to have trouble. And actually, put Philly in there too because they can't deal with Joel Embiid. Yeah, look, I'm going to call them a contender. I understand everything you're saying. And I understand the schedule has been extra cushy. I mean, they get Portland without Damian Lillard. They get Charlotte. They get whatever Washington is at this point. Um, again, not their fault. That's who they're supposed to play. But they've, they've been yeah. benefiting uh, from that. What What makes me optimistic about the Nets is that they seem to have finally put all the distractions, which have been self-inflicted, most of them, and put them behind them. And for the first time, really, since, I don't even remember when, since before the start of last season, they seem to be distraction-free at the moment. There's no talk about Kyrie and vaccination. Kevin Durant's trade request has settled. Steve Nash is gone. Jacques Vaughn is pretty well entrenched there. Um, You know, Kyrie's not doing the Kyrie things that got him into trouble. And they're just playing basketball. And when they play basketball, they're pretty damn good. Like, Simmons, with his health issues... Uh, has had some good games, had some bad ones, but I think he's only going to get better as the season goes on. And Kyrie, putting aside all the other stuff, as a basketball player of late, he's been really good. He's averaging better than 30 points per game over the last five games. In the month of December, he's 52% from the floor, 37% from three. Those are big jumps from what he was uh, doing uh, in November. So I look at all those things, and would I bet on them to win a championship? No. But... Again, it was just, I think it was just Washington, but we saw when Kevin Durant and Kyrie get it going, they can drop 75, 80 points on you pretty consistently. They're that good offensively. And if they can just get a little bit more muscle in that front court, a little more size, either at the trade deadline or via the buyout market, I think they're in the mix. I mean, you know, Kyrie, I, I get what you're saying. Like, Kyrie, you can't really rely on him. Kevin Durant has missed time. But I'm not going to bank on that just yet. I'm going to say, like, these two guys, they're healthy right now. They're playing great basketball. And I think this, this to me, is more the version of the Nets that we should expect than the dysfunctional mess that we saw early in the season. Yeah, I mean, listen, you you mentioned this, and I'm just going to hammer it for a second here. But in terms of just them, them winning 10 of their last 11, like, yeah, you know, Blazers without Dame. The Magic were in there. The Wizards were in there. The Raptors. Hey, the Magic who, are tough. Magic are tough. All right. Well, that's, the, that's, a, that's the, a quality win right now. The Raptors and Hawks, you know, those should be quality wins, but both those teams are struggling really badly. So you have to put that in context. They beat the Hornets. They beat the Pacers, who are good but not great. They beat the Wizards. Like the Raptors again. The Pistons. Like it's just hard to draw too much from that. And to be a good team, you do have to beat all the bad teams and the average teams and the teams like we're in your own range. And if you do that often enough, you're like a 50-55 win team and that's where the Nets are. But there's, they're starting to look to me like the classic great regular season team that will come out of it with a really robust record and you think, wow, they, they've, they're really legit. And then you get to the playoffs and you know one of the, the true contenders, the Bucks or Celtics, punches them in the nose and that's it. Like how how much how confident are we that the the version of the Nets that went down to the to the Celtics? Granted, those games were close, but it was a sweep. A sweep is a sweep. I don't care how close the games are; it's still a sweep because they were bogged down in isolation. Because the Celtics had good enough defense to bog them down, to force them into situations where they start relying too much on individual talent, and. Ben Simmons didn't play then. Ben Simmons is playing now, but Ben Simmons is not your outlet, right? Like when you're bottled up by a great defensive team, 
It, ben Simmons is not the guy who's standing there alone who's going to make you pay because he doesn't shoot. So that doesn't work. It's still about Kevin, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I think a great defensive team, while you don't stop guys of that caliber, a great defensive team, as the Celtics did last spring, puts those guys in uncomfortable spots, gets the ball out of their hands, um, cut just cuts off their, their best scoring routes, makes them either take tougher shots or give the ball up. And then you're relying on the supporting cast. And again, the Nets have to stop some people. And defensively, size-wise, those are issues. As you know, look, there's time. There's time for them to make a move before the trade deadline or maybe the buyout market. I just don't know that they've got a lot of movable pieces to get something of that quality. Um, you know, if Joe Harris, Seth Curry, those guys are healthy enough, does can one of them get you a big? And you know, you know, maybe you, you can maybe you can give up one shooter. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Um, but. Look, there's a lot riding on it, right? This is an all or nothing season. I, I think people may have disagreed with my uh, piece from you know six weeks ago or whatever that the Nets should just blow it up because this thing has no lifespan beyond this season. But I think the one thing most people should agree on is anything shy of a championship, and this is the last season for this. Kyrie's a free agent in the summer. Like this thing is going to end by by next summer. Um, I know some people think, well, if they win the championship, now you have to resign Kyrie. Eh, not sure Joe Sy wants to live this experience again. So um, there's a lot of pressure on the Nets to to do this. It really is an all or nothing campaign. They may have to turn a lonely eye to Dwight Howard at some point when he's done with the Taiwanese league because they, they can't go into the playoffs going up against a big physical Milwaukee team, a big physical uh, Philadelphia team, the Celtics who play physical, you know, and more so now with Rob Williams back. Like, you just can't, you can't do it. Like, you, you're not going to beat... Well, you're just not going to be able to finesse teams to success. I, not the top-tier teams, anyway. And the thing is, like, when you start talking about, like, all right, well, who are bigs who are available? Like, And I'm in defensive bigs, not a John Collins type, and they can't afford him anyway. But, nah, like... That's frankly Dwight, <laughs> I'm being honest. It's, like, it's it, probably it, Dwight, but... Right, but if we're talking trade market, like, I don't know what the Jakob Pertle, uh price ultimately will be if somebody pries him loose from they san antonio do some, they do have assets they can trade some of those philly picks like they can they, can, they could do but i was stuff. all right but that's why i bring this up big money big ticket too purtle makes some money too i don't know what the exact right. number is but he's tough but to acquire whether you're talking purtle whether you're talking miles turner like the like the guys who could actually give you rim protection or some paint protection if you if i'm right i could be wrong it's happened a couple times if i'm right and this is it all or nothing Season's over. Kyrie's done. They're, they're like, they're, and they got to pick a whole new direction. How many of those Philly picks or anything else of from the future stash do you want to have given up for this all or nothing run? And and are you going to mortgage anything to get a Pirtle or a Miles Turner? I don't even know who. Like again, I don't know if they can really get these guys. But if you if you assume that they could cobble together some kind of deal using either either the picks they have of their own that are unencumbered or Sixer picks that they acquired. If they could even do that, is it worth it when this thing has a very short lifespan left? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Howard, this will be our last podcast for the Christmas holidays. So uh, Merry Christmas to the Beck family. And we'll uh, we'll do this again. I'm not sure if we're going to do it next week. We'll have to figure that one out. But <laughs> either next week or after the first of the year, my friend. We will, we will figure that out. Uh, happy holidays, all that stuff to you and yours as well. I will see you soon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.